0: Safe ops. It's essentially like you visit a website, you don't put in your email, you don't put in any information, and then you'll get an email five minutes later saying, like, hey, you left this in your cart, and you're like, wait, what? How do they have my email? So that's like, you know, basically they can collect your email from when you input it in on a different site. There's two questions here, right? There's like, number one, does it work? I've heard it does.
1: The cost is actually really crazy of it that I've seen.
0: It would be hard to believe that it wouldn't work, Cody. It's like you're sending more emails to more people.
1: Welcome back, season three. We are back for another season.
0: We'll kick off talking about retention, you know, like what to do when your retention is, is trash. And, and then the flip side of like, my retention is awesome. Why is that? Which is a question nobody asks. And then we'll hop into, into Cody's Forte, talk about Twitter ads, Advantage Plus, the GWP fund stuff and some others. Um, a lot of language I don't understand, but I'm about to get educated on. <laughs> Um, Yeah, we
1: were talking about what we're gonna talk about and and I was like, Yeah, I'll talk about Advantage Plus and ELAS. Like, that's great. Like I don't know what it is, but I know a lot of people are talking about it. It gets the people going. Yeah. Yeah. Down to chat is brought to you by Postscript. In my opinion, Postscript is the SMS platform built for Shopify brands. To be totally transparent, we just switched at Jones Road to Postscript, and it is the best decision we've ever made. We were on a competitor before, and they started tacking on all types of fees. Uh, the platform was not being improved at all; it was just getting it was just getting really expensive. And and the service we were getting was, uh, you know, just nothing compared to what we've received from Postscript uh, since since being with them. The product with Postscript is just hands down the best that I've ever used. To me, it has the best integrations for Shopify stores of all sizes. It's got the best feature set. The segmentation is the easiest and most powerful. The pop-ups are great, but really the thing that I love is I've never experienced such great service from a software provider. The only time I heard from our previous provider was around contract renewal time, but with Postscript, they've gone out of their way above and beyond to make our program uber successful. And it's really evident that they care about us getting as much value out of our program as possible. So in my opinion with Postscript, you get the best product on the market, you get it at the best price, and you get it with the best service. There's a reason why the fastest growing Shopify brands like Dr. Squatch, Native, Olipop, Feastables, and now Jones Road Beauty are all using Postscript for their SMS program. Sign up for Postscript today to take your SMS program to new heights. Before we get into it, are there any other changes for this season? Any, anything else that we're kind of thinking about? I think we should probably, we've talked about having more guests on, so maybe getting like four or five different guests on. Who? Uh, who anyone you're thinking?
0: Um, I would love some suggestions, drop, drop it in our Twitter. If you're, if you want to see somebody, um, yeah, that'd be great. We we
1: definitely love suggestions. If you want to be on, let us, let us know. We obviously will always consider it, but definitely want to get some people on.
0: What are some things you
1: want to learn? Like I want to learn from like some like hardcore data nerds, I think would be great. Um, Data
0: nerds. I'd love social. Like I'd love to dive deep into social. Maybe.
1: That would be a good one. I want influencer. I've got somebody who's great at influencer that we've talked about getting on.
0: Yes, and I then the other—I'd love like deep dives into like customer learning. Um, maybe Caitlin.
1: That would be great. Some some like diving deep on research.
0: Yeah, yeah. AI uh, maybe. A little Chat GPT. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Caitlin.
1: I, I actually had my uh, my first uh, real quick. I had my first like AI mind blowing thing yesterday in Notion. I was like writing because I, I fucking hate it on all these chat GPT yeah. threads and stuff like that. And like, I, I, think, I think it's super cool, but I also think it's like I just hate how people switch gears and they're like, oh, Web3. Like, everyone was like, oh, I'm building at the intersection of Web3 and commerce. And then now they're using that intersection thing. Like I'm building at the intersection of AI and I'm like, oh, my God.
0: AI I and commerce. To throw
1: up. I, when people say that I'm building at the intersection of, I fucking hate it.
0: Wait, what was the mind blowing notion AI? So I was writing
1: I'm writing like a storyboard for our next shoot. And, you know, you have this thing where you can continue writing and it I I changed kind of the, the concept and I was doing the new concept and it essentially spit out the same exact framework and formula with the new hook. So I had like hook options, I had like intro, I had, you know, the different components of the video. And it literally took what I put for the other ones, but it changed it based on this new concept and gave me like 10 different hook options that actually related and actually like were pretty good. Um so wow. essentially I wrote one and it completed the rest of it. And obviously I had to go and edit, but I was like legitimately mind blown.
0: It's 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 fascinating. And Notion AI was like a pretty a pretty quick spin. Um like they were talking about it, it wasn't beta, and now it's just like launch yeah, yeah. and all the accounts are moving quickly.
1: Well, and they I thought it was gonna be free. Obviously, it's not going to be. So now I've got to decide it's ten bucks extra. Freezer. Per user and I'm like, fuck, like doing them yeah. out. Like is that. Of worth they give it? it to and you I, for free. <laughs> I think it is. I think I think if we use it, I think it's actually going to not only save a ton of time, but be insanely effective.
0: Yeah. The other gorgeous now started tossing in AI, like as of last week. Mm. It's still, it still still needs a little bit of help, but it's it's Do you like, have
1: anything you want to share about that or you wanna do that in a few I mean, weeks once you test it out? I think
0: we probably need a couple of weeks to kind of see yeah. how it see how it goes. I think mm. our product selection is interesting because there's just a lot of nitty-gritty kind of dependencies on customer mm-hmm. etc based on like both both on the product side and on like shipping delivery so it's it'll be interesting to see how quick the the ai the ai learns but what i was saying before is noah kagan from okay dork the facebook ex-facebook guy was like the biggest money makers in ai so far are the people teaching people how to use ai like 10 <laughs> ways to use ai
1: but don't do, uh, don't they say that about everything right like the people probably. in the the gold rush where that got the richest were the people selling like the the pitch the or shuttles. whatever the yeah, shovels yeah. yeah incredible yeah i know it's so um, i saw i saw a thread yesterday that was like somebody was like the best way to make 100k a month is with an with an ai service agency or something incredible yeah. i was like there's no like chat gpt launched like a month ago there's no way that this guy's making 100k a month already like
0: the hustlers will hustle
1: yeah yeah all right yeah. should we talk about it you want to talk about retention yeah. so let's I'll, I'll kind of tee it up for you um You wrote a really good newsletter this week. Heard you were inspired by me and Sharma's. I kind of talked about what to do when just performance is shit in general and and was probably focused more on the acquisition side. So, you know, you kind of put your spin on it and um, and talked about what to do to fix retention. So, yeah, what let's just kind of dive in there. What are a few things you you look at or if you're advising somebody and, you know, for whatever reason, either it's gone to shit or probably less have gone to shit. It's just not not good and hasn't been good where they want it. What are the things that you would audit and that, and that you would look at and go from there?
0: Yeah. I think what's interesting about retention is it's always like our retention is great. Our retention is awful and it's never sliced and diced into different like cohorts. Like most people are just not thinking thoroughly about it. They're just like, Oh, our retention is not great. We need a better product when in reality, like that's not always the answer. Um, you know, we talk so about, when like, somebody
1: says retention is not great, like what, what, if you were to go into business and you got somebody's data, what would you look at? What is there one metric? Is there a source of truth? Are there multiple things you'd look at?
0: I think there are multiple things. Like for example, like you know, there's the the classic, like oh, it's a mattress, like the the mm-hmm. the LTV, the AOV, like everything's different. But I, I, I think the few things I'd look at, um, I'd start looking at cohorts, like when you know, like our cohort retention numbers is getting better or worse over time. Are there so a specific... like a repurchase rate, exactly. Are there cohort? a specific times of year, um, the cohort, LTV by cohort, um, you know, all that stuff, uh, AOV by cohort. um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, like we've spoken about in the past plenty of ways, like how you can increase AOV and how you can increase LTV. But I think the first thing is an audit, right? Like looking at repeat purchase rate by cohort, uh, churn rate, um, splitting it by customers that have ordered, you know, two times, three times, four times to get a better understanding. um, You know, and and on the qualitative side, like looking at NPS scores, like, is there something dramatic that we've seen over the last two, three, four months? Um, I think it's obviously different if your retention was awesome and then it went off a cliff versus mm. your retention is never great and you're just kind of spending your way through it. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Good point. Good point.
0: But I think at its core, it's like understanding cohorts, like really, really deeply understanding like what does it look like when your customers are super strong versus when they're not? Is that different year over year um, and all that fun stuff? And I, I think the the interesting thing that most kind of people have spoken about over the last six months has been, like, if your retention is not great, launch new products. Um, and I think at its core, it's not an awful idea. Like, new products do usually help for retention. But I, what I've seen is that, you know, new products can also cannibalize big time, um, which is not the number, yeah. which is not the math that most people are doing. It's like, okay, you've launched a new SKU. It's amazing. Um, is it just taking revenue mm-hmm. from other SKUs? Um, but I think that's the... To simplify it, um, you know, at its core retention is like, it's not as great as customers were thinking it would be. And that's like, is it a product question? Is it a shipping and delivery question? Is it a customer service?
1: So how do you find out? How do you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I would start by auditing numbers to get a better understanding of where people are dropping off. And then I'd start asking questions. So customer conversations, um, looking at reviews, looking at MPS, looking at, you know, like any, any sort of, customer research i can do um i usually start off with looking at nps i just think it's like a the the detractors will give you a really good idea of like where the shittiest part of your business is and the promoters will give you a really idea of like what you're doing well and i think if you if you can get that at volume you get a a better understanding qualitatively of like where you're at um and then quantitative is like all the metrics we were talking about like ltv by cohort aov Mm -hmm. by cohort trying to understand like where the drop off is
1: yeah, because that's easy pretty much with any metric. It's easy to see what is working, what is not working. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, we used to increase LTV by 30% in 60 days. Now we're increasing it by 15%. But it's, there's really not much in there that's like, here's why it's not working. And that's kind of what you have to dive into. So just to kind of summarize it, you'll look at like k- kind of past cohorts to see. Changes, oh, this October cohort is not nearly as strong as it November. Again, there's probably a lot of seasonality into into it. Um there but I think it's probably important. You would you say to like like one thing we'll look at a, a ton is like, all right, like what changed in those months? Like what products are we acquiring people on? I know that's something you like to look at. Like what's people's first product? Um, what channel are they coming in on? I think those are probably some of the most important ones as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, once you get an understanding of like where where there's a drop off, both in but like I guess a where there's a drop off and or b where like your retention is better than average right like for example if you're seeing like your november cohort is crushing it compared to your august cohort and you're uh-huh. seeing that like even if it is kind of every year the same right the, it's still a question like why is november crushing um, sometimes it can be like oh well you know maybe october is crushing because november is black friday and some of these people are like they purchase once and then they purchase a second and that frequency like we talk about like rfm like recency frequency and and the money they spend and i think it's like sometimes that push of getting them to purchase twice in 34 days is a huge um, kind of like trajectory change in terms of their LTV. And then it's like, okay, what can we learn from that? Like maybe we don't have Black Friday sales or discounts or special bundle options in, in February, but we can still kind of create this kick-ass post-purchase flow that kind of tries to get them to repurchase either the same product in a different shade or a completely different product within 30 something days. Right, so I think there's a lot of learnings both on the, on the plus and the minus. Um, like Cody asked me this last week. He's like, why is our retention better than normal now? And it's like, it's usually a weird question to get asked, right? Because you're like, usually it's like, why is something different? It's like, oh, shit, this went to shit. But it's like, why is it better than normal? Yeah, I same, hate not kind of, knowing.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, know, I want to know. Anytime somebody asks me if we have like a good few days, why, why are we doing well? I'm like, I, like, I need to know. Like you, you want to have some idea of, hey, like I, I want to be able to replicate
0: this. Yeah, and we just—I I took a dive into Peel, and you know, you start looking at the numbers, and you're looking at you know, seasonality, and you're looking like, oh, we have you know a new mm-hmm. a new SKU that launched is like maybe there's you know a strong cohort that's kind of kicking kicking in now, um, and it's 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 super fascinating to kind of like take a dive in and then get a better understanding. You're like, oh, okay, like some of this can be replicated. Like maybe we can't launch a new product every three weeks, but we can definitely kind of like share you know share different. Varieties of skew to cut customers mm-hmm. earlier on and kind of like cross sell, upsell, and all that fun stuff. So I think it's, uh, yeah. I think mean data is power, and I think we've spoken about this in the past that like you know data can can often be the thing that makes you ask questions. You're like, wait, what the fuck? Why, why is this dramatically different than mm-hmm. than what it was? Um, but be answer questions. Uh, but like be you know answer questions.
1: Yeah, especially because we're not that old of a business, and you know, we've grown so much that it's like we don't have that much historical data to go off of. Like, I don't think a year or two is, is necessarily a great thing to model off of, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think now we're building, like I saw, um, Connor from Ridge talk about it and like just having like a, like a spreadsheet and just like a place where you pretty much have year over year historical data, very easy to access. So you can kind of see, Hey, like this time last year, what did it look like? What's this, you know, the seasonality into our business, which is obviously going to be, you know, highly, uh, you know, just dependent on what vertical you're in, right? Like, for example, beauty is kind of have you know different months that you're strong in compared to wellness or something like that. So, I think that's ex- extremely important just to set those expectations, set, set the forecast as well. Um, and then obviously, you're probably trying to do your marketing and product launch calendar around that seasonality. So, like, yeah, I think that's extremely important. I think that's something we are still learning of: is when are we strong? When when are people really likely to buy? And then, you know, just to show how, at least I'm thinking about using some of that. Like, for example, one thing we saw was like, October cohort crushed it. Like customers that we acquired in October were, were really strong. We, we ran a kit offer in October and acquired a lot of people on that. Usually, I think we've talked about this a bunch, but like, if, you, if you're if you looking at one of those things is first product purchased, you know, usually, and I've seen this across brands as well, as people that are buying multiple products. or so people that are buying a kit are more likely to be a better customer. Two potential theories for that. Kits are usually more expensive, so usually the best predictor of a better customer is people that are spending more money on first purchase, but also you're getting more products in somebody's hand and you're able to, um, maybe they don't like product A, but they like product B. We also put like a mini of our bestseller miracle bomb in it, so they go through it faster, so that's another reason, so that's another strategy is like a like a sampler kit or like a mini kit. Um, that's, that's one way to think about it, and then I think number two is just seasonally, right? Like one of the counterintuitive things for retention that I've seen, and again, pretty much across every business is like, you're gonna increase lifetime value more um, right after you acquire somebody. You would think it's gonna be later on, right? They haven't finished their products, but I think people are just hot. They've got the dopamine ready. They've got the credit card out, you know? This is why I think so many people do those spammy upselling and stuff like that. But, so it's kind of like, do you go harder? Like November, we know we have a big offer. It's gonna be huge. like? I am now thinking in in terms of forecasting spend throughout the year, like October, we should just be like crushing spend and just like being super aggressive with acquisition. I think most people are being aggressive in November, but do we go when CPMs are cheaper, there's still good buying intent and we know LTV is better. Like that's kind of how I'm thinking about it
0: now. Yeah. I think the the fact that retention is kind of like giving us a better idea of, of how acquisition should be done is fascinating. And it's obviously the other way as well, but I think it's it it kind of gives you a lot of power in, in continuing to build. I think, yeah, like that's that to me sounds like a really sound uh, a sound idea. The other last thing I think is that's worth talking about in the retention is like most people are just splitting it into like, you know, looking at Shopify and saying like, oh, these are the first time customer versus the repeat customer versus you know taking a deep dive and looking at like, you know, active recent versus active non recent. Do you want to briefly touch on that?
1: Yeah, it's just the, uh, I guess, like the, the forecast model that we're using. Shout out to Dave Recook. He's got like a great course on CXL. And I just really liked his model and, and really simplifying it. But yeah, I guess really looking at two different types of customers, you know, rather than just saying this is new versus not. You have your new customers, which is anybody who is acquired in that month. You have your forecast for that. And then you have recent, which is like anybody who is acquired in the last six months. And you kind of have a retention curve for that. Knowing like, all right, you know, in the first 30 days, people are going to, place an additional 15% of orders or 10% of orders, 30% of orders. And then from there, it usually drops off a little bit, but you have incremental, all right, then another 8%, then another 5%, like, and then, you know, and that kind of stacks up. Um, But then past, uh, you know, six months, so 180 days, you know, people are still going to buy and it's not going to be a ridiculous amount, but there still are customers. And as your business grows that kind of long tail and the number of people kind of in those audiences is really going to grow. And it's kind of like compounding, like, like one of like those eighth wonders of the world where like, it doesn't seem significant, but as you just keep playing this game and keep growing and look out for churn, making sure, you know, people are, are still pur- purchasing, um, the amount that you're getting, you know, can be really significant. I think it's really ob- obvious in a subscription business, you see mm-hmm. it on the first of the month or 15th of the month, whatever it is, and you can just see that you're, you're, MRR to stack up you know what I mean you don't really see that in a non-subscription business but it's happening it's just not a subscription or not so it's not as binary it's not as predictable but you still th- there, there's still that same principle that's happening
0: yeah and when we look at like our you know like active and non-recent like so those are some of the best performing incremental direct mail cohorts we've ever had right like these people that haven't purchased in 180 days so I think it's you know when you split it out that way, you're like okay, these are customers that have purchased mm. maybe twice or three times, mm. but then kind of disappeared for six months, and when and when they come back, it's usually really strong as well.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's part of it. As we're getting getting more into direct mail and really trying to strategize, we just kind of finished our second campaign, and it was uh, outrageously successful. Um, I think a lot of a lot of people have you know been talking about direct mail and and you know uh, kind of a, a little bit of a mixed bag, and you know like. Some of crazy claims like a 20x ROAS or 100x ROAS. You know, the only way to do direct mail properly is to measure incrementality and kind of compare that to a cost. But yeah, I totally agree. I think part of it is, all right, how do we get people going from one order to two? That's kind of like your recently acquired, and then it's also like, how do we do a win back or a pre churn? And um, like like Eli talked about, like as your business grows and the size of people in there, like that probably becomes more important, especially if somebody has. Shown a propensity to be a good customer, but happen to lapse. Like if you can identify those people, that's that's something that's worthwhile.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've done the direct mail with the holdouts and all the fun stuff, and and it was pretty insane. So I I, I look forward to doing more like automations and all that fun stuff. But yeah, it'll be an exciting yeah. six months. Um, um, quick question
1: for you. Anything else on this before we go on?
0: No, I think that I think we covered it. If if anyone has any questions, just. Or if it's like, well, you didn't look at this metric or like you suck at retention or, you know, like anyone has any kind comments, you can always drop it in the Twitters.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, question on retention. How do you feel about those uh, those services where, you know, I'll just say the name retention.com where where, you know, they're kind of claiming that people are. You're not really sending as many abandoned cart emails as you could, because I guess if you if somebody's not logged into Clavio or whatever it is, you know, they're not they're not getting it. Um I have my thoughts so how do you how do you feel about those and maybe if you want to give a better explanation of what they are.
0: I mean the, the basic idea, um, from my understanding and mm-hmm. and we've seen like the, you know, uh what is it called? Safe opt. Like we've seen these yeah. kind of tools before. I I'm not sure details on retention.com if they're doing more than like a safe opt was doing but it's essentially like you visit a website you don't put in your email you don't put in any information and then you'll get an email five minutes later saying like hey you left this in your cart and you're like wait what how do they have my email so that's like you know basically they can collect your email from when you input it in on a different site uh, you know way way back across a totally it's different... just
1: like the terms and conditions like hey we can Send yeah, emails from I mean other the brand. first
0: and stuff I kind of like the first FAQ um, from them is like how is this legal so I think it, it's probably a question that's asked a lot and, and I guess the diligence was mm-hmm. done and it is totally legal um I think with with you know you know the spirit of the law versus like being legal like it's it feels it's one of those things that feels funky yeah. um mm-hmm. I'm a experience and retention kind of guy so it's like you know from this feels more of an acquisition.com mm-hmm. versus retention.com I think that there is there's two questions here, right? There's like number one, does it work? And it's like, well, I've heard sending, it does. I've, it, I have it probably heard does it, that
1: it that it does. It, the the cost is actually really crazy of it that I've seen. It would um, be hard I, to
0: believe that it wouldn't work, Cody. It's like you're sending more ma- emails to more people. Uh, it here's work. what I heard. I don't remember no. who.
1: I think you and I were talking to somebody about this, but like, so it it works. But again, this is why incrementality is so important. It right. might be claiming a lot of non incremental conversions because apparently there's a delay from. The data getting passed back and whatnot and you're sending it from from klaviyo so a lot of people that are abandoned cart are going to purchase without this anyways right yeah and, uh, this is even just for any klaviyo abandoned cart email or, or anything you do and so don't assume that all of your Clavio abandoned cart email flows were incremental. A lot of those people would have purchased; they're just saving it for later, right? Yeah. So like, you kind of have to measure it. And I don't, I don't, you don't really have to measure incrementality for Clavio because you're not really spending anything. There's no variable cost. But as soon as you have this really high, I've seen brands spending six figures on this retention.com thing, Mm -hmm. and they're claiming all this revenue. Like, you have to validate that. Same thing with direct mail. If you're putting an incremental cost in, I think you've got to validate that. And I, I haven't seen those numbers at least. So that would yeah. be, like, another thing to, to watch out for. But, yeah, it kind of feels a little spammy to me. Um, I know it's, it's illegal, like, but there's a lot of things that are legal that I don't want to do.
0: Yeah, well, that's a, a good framing. But, there, I mean, like, do you ever leave a an website and you get a Ben Card emails that are, you're yeah. like, oh, God, this is raunchy. Like, this is over the top. This feels desperate. Mm-hmm. This feels well, weird. Well, I've gotten
1: safe-topped emails. I've, got, right. I've gotten so safe-topped. It's like,
0: it works, right? The, mm-hmm. the question becomes is, like, you know, to, to, to what expense? Like, mm-hmm. at what expense, right? It's like, yeah. it works. It probably drives revenue. Customers, like, I've I've been on the other side of safe mm-hmm. SafeOpt at Olipop and we got a ton of emails that were, like, how do you have my email? This doesn't feel right. So it's yeah. like most of the people that I talk to are, like, oh, customers never complain. I'm like, sir, when was the last time you were in the inbox? It's probably been a decade. Yeah. yeah it's like, it's hopping, like a growth th- marketer saying they never Hop complained. into your gorgeous, because I, I it's bet. It's like... It's yeah. like a
1: growth marketer who never complains, whose company like
0: outsources CX, every single one of them. It's always like yeah. our CX is great, and I'm like, okay, when was the last time you were in the inbox? Our response time is okay. When was the when was the last time you were in the inbox? When was the last time you spoke mm-hmm. to a customer? Maybe they're great. I think it's yeah. like everything else. I think the the unique thing about not unique, but like the the one of the qualities that I gently like about myself is that I'm willing to be proven wrong on almost everything. So. At some point, I think it might be worth testing if we can. Yeah, no, uh, you're, I,
1: I, I appreciate that you're open testing. I like yeah. the idea for direct mail because you can apparently do the same thing for direct mail, but yeah. it doesn't feel um, as spammy or as creepy because you have they have no idea, like they think they might just be in a prospecting audience. You know, what I mean, like no one's yeah. like, oh, why? Like, how did this? That's kind of the funny thing with stuff on the web, like the privacy stuff. Like, I think people mm-hmm. are very aware of uh, invasions of privacy, but. Direct mail data gets sold all of the fucking time. Anything Mm -hmm. you buy, credit card data, like there are all these lists that are literally sold. I bought a piece of like gym equipment and I looked at the terms and conditions. Fucking and it's one of those things where they're trying to, you know, compete with Peloton so you know you're putting in all of your height and and weight and all this different information. They're selling all of that fucking data. Like, but people just have no idea of it, but I think they're much more aware of online privacy concerns. So
0: yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's my two cents. All the, all the junk mail you get, right. It sometimes Mm -hmm. feels eerily relevant, right? It's like you buy a shirt and then six months later, you're just getting a bunch of shirt manufacturers sending you like, here's this shirt. And you're like, that's like too much of a coincidence, right? So Mm -hmm. I I think there's definitely like data sold. I think with, with direct mail, it's also like not ten minutes later it's four days later so I think yeah. there's also a little bit of you're like oh I don't know it's like it's like somebody knocking on your door five minutes after you left Whole Food saying like hey did you check this because this yeah. I think would be something you like I think it's yeah. it's interesting and I it might crash. Season three of Down to Chat is brought to you by Tapcart. I know we chatted about this last season, but there's so many cool brands that have created an app with Tapcart in the last couple of years. And I wanted to highlight one of the ones that I've been looking at. So Chubbies. Chubbies has been around for a minute. They're in the men's fashion space. I think what's interesting about Chubbies is they kicked this off in 2018. At this point, they have 137,000 push subscribers, which is kind of crazy. It's like these people are all getting notifications every time they send something in app, which is super cool. The return on app spend, which Tapcart calls ROAS, uh, not the ROAS, you know, but a different ROAS, is 189x, which is pretty insane. Um, I think the the unique thing about Chubbies is that they're looking at this as a unique way to kind of reach this top 10 to 30% of customers with deals, drops, brand news, all that fun stuff. I think when you sprinkle in some app exclusives in your strategy, it's really helpful for retention. So I think it's... It's a fun a fun thing to check out. Um, if you're looking to learn more about Tapcart, you can check out tapcart.com forward slash down to chat and you'll get your first two months free. One of our listeners actually called Caden Lane. Brian from Caden Lane launched with Tapcart a couple of weeks ago and just showed me his app on Twitter the other day and I was blown away. It, it's pretty, pretty insane how quick they've built it, but also how thorough and, and amazing it is. So definitely check out Tapcart and thanks for listening.
1: The other reason I like it for, for direct mail is, you know, like, let's use email to uh, acquire those customers who we've driven there. Let's say you drive somebody there from Facebook ads or YouTube ads or whatever. You know, you get their email, they take our quiz or they go through the pop-up. Like, let's use Klaviyo, let's use PostScript to try to, you know, get those people across the finish line if we have their email. But if we don't have their email, obviously we can't use that stuff. Then it's like, all right, I don't mind paying 50 cents to post-pilot to be able to try to reac- not even reacquire, but actually acquire this person. Yeah? So to me, it's kind of more retargeting than it is. I guess it's, it's acquisition, but it's retargeting much more than it is like a true retention play of this yeah. like retention.com thing.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right,
1: moving on. What's next?
0: I mean, the, the D2C Twitter sphere has been up in arms around uh, Twitter ads, Um your notorious tweet like a little vague over there um people yeah. are like wait does it work does it not work the replies to jones road uh sponsored tweets are like i have seen this four times in the last 20 minutes um, i feel,
1: i had to stop reading the comments i feel like twitter uh sad comments are probably the worst of them all i think they're even worse than tiktok
0: yeah savage but um t- tell tell the people what's been going on, tell people not to get into it if they haven't done Facebook ads. Give the whole the whole Twitter ad spiel.
1: Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah, so they are working very, very well. I'll caveat that as, you know, that's efficiency, not volume. Um, I haven't heard of people spending nearly the same amount on Twitter as they are on other platforms. Um, but long, I'll just kind of give some quick background. Uh, if, if you guys haven't heard, uh, Twitter was acquired by Elon Musk. Now I'm just going to put... So Twitter, like... It was never really even considered for DTC brands for e-commerce brands. Twitter has always focused on top of funnel, and this isn't like top of funnel like Facebook ads. This is like Bank of America top of funnel, like like you know multinational corporations who like their 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 metric is engagement and awareness, um, and they don't couldn't even tell you what you know a purchase is. So Twitter actually didn't even have a conversion pixel. They actually weren't even optimizing for uh web traffic. They were optimizing for link clicks. It was like the lowest funnel you can do. And that's just not a, a good quality signal. And I think some of this stuff happened prior to Musk, but I think it's really accelerated. I think they've made more progress with their ad platform um, you know, post-acquisition than they did in 10 years before it. Um, you know, so so for whatever reason, I don't know if they've lost a lot of revenue from larger brands post-acquisition, but they seem to be really, really hungry to get into You know, some of this DTC spend, some of this e-commerce spend, you know, what what they would consider lower funnel. Um, And, you know, so we tried it. I I heard about some people having some good success with it. You know, I'm seeing more, right? Like, I think everybody talked about it, but like once Musk took over, like all these drop shippers and like these drop shippers are just savages and are just trying to get essentially arbitrage an ad platform. And they're trying to just get the cheapest costs that they can. And because their margins are so poor. It really like if if they're spending money on this platform and it's and you keep seeing their ads and they keep spending with poor margins, it's like oh, there's probably something here. Same thing with like affiliate marketers, right? Because they don't have like the, the best margins. So I think you know then kind of some e-commerce advertisers started testing it and trying it, and a lot of people are like, oh, Twitter ads don't work. Like it's a completely different product than what you've tested a year ago. Um,
0: Who are some people that were that you saw using it early?
1: Ridge Wallet. Uh, was one? I'm trying to think who else. This one, Jeremy's Razors. I think we talked about a few weeks ago. I saw. Yeah. I saw theirs. They're that like uh like Ben Shapiro's brand. I think like his like media company's brand. Right. Um, who else did I see? I'm trying to think. Definitely right now, I'm seeing a ton of newsletters. I'm actually about to launch uh some, really? newslet- some ads for my newsletter this weekend. Have heard I of some very, very nice. Customers. Oh, maybe it's because you know that's what I'm interacting with. Um, seeing hmm. the hustle. I'm seeing. A uh, little bit of Milk Road. I'm seeing wow. um, TLDR daily, hmm. something um, daily upside. I think. Yeah. Are ones they I've never heard like of a?
0: Are they just doing like a boosted tweet, or are they just? No, no, joint? they're they're, yeah.
1: r- they're running ads. Yeah, they're running ads for wow. Raspberry. Uh, um, Newsletter company I I started uh, consulting with is also running them and getting some pretty good costs and wow. so overall uh, results have been very good. I don't want to speak on what creative works well because I don't know it's too early. Mm-hmm. We are essentially taking what works on Meta and just doing it, and I'm seeing a lot of brands do that and it seems to work. I would say video is doing really well, so I guess I am talking about, it, but like I don't know about specific angles and stuff like that. Uh, landing pages are really important, uh, as always. But so I wouldn't run into a PDP. Listicles seem to be doing really well. Uh, It's also just kind of what I'm seeing. Um, In terms of where in the funnel sits, I don't have an answer for that either. Right? Mm -hmm. Like for example, Facebook, I'd say is mid funnel. You got some discovery, but it's more of like direct conversions. Obviously, like a Google search is like bottom of funnel. Um, Mm -hmm. YouTube is very is top of funnel. Yep, yep, but big, yeah, big bofa. Um, And um, I don't know about Twitter yet. Uh, I, I don't know I think it's too early. I mean we've probably been running Twitter for two to three weeks. Um, there are uh, ad um, kind of incentives available. I don't know if they're available to everybody or above a certain size, but you know if you have a rep, definitely obviously reach out and ask about that. I will say the Twitter rep that we've worked with is probably the best uh, most you know supportive rep that I've worked with on on any of the platforms. So like wow. they're they're really hungry and I think the people that have stayed, Behind at Twitter are really passionate about the product. They're really—I've been able to talk to kind of some people that are pretty high up on like their product team, and like they're really hungry for feedback. They really want to make it the best experience for advertisers possible. But I think it's the people that stayed—they kind of have the startup mentality. They're like, "We're excited about the future of this company, and we we really want to kind of turn this into something." Mm-hmm. Right? Like a lot of the people that obviously weren't for that, they left. Um, so, so I'm I'm pretty excited about it long term. Here's what I'll say, the traffic is extremely cheap. It's like Facebook 2016 cheap, wow. very cheap. The conversion rate is not nearly the same as other platforms. So it's kind of like a, a little arbitrage opportunity. It's it's kind of like TikTok before everybody flooded to TikTok. Um, the one thing though, that does make me pretty optimistic about it. So again, I don't love the low conversion rate, but it is a cheap CAC with costs that are sometimes 90% cheaper than what we're seeing on Facebook. Wow. Surprisingly to me, the average order value is our highest. It is significantly higher than on any other platform we're seeing. YouTube has been kind of our highest to date. TikTok, we've almost we we are not spending much on TikTok. Um, we actually started again finding some good performance cuz they've got this their version of Advantage Plus, this kind of machine learning smart performance campaign that's actually doing really well. We can maybe yeah. talk about it next week. But um yeah, so I found that to be interesting, and yeah, why um, do you think that is? What Hi, they've A-O-D. told me at Twitter is um, the demographic data is is actually pretty good, right? So they're trying to uh, obviously grow the platform. Elon has these big plans. I think in the in a few months we're going to see a lot of stuff start rolling out, you know, and in the daily active users is so low compared to everybody right and i mm. think right now it's just who's on twitter is actually happens to be a more affluent demographic i mean twitter is a little bit more information it's a little bit more educational it's a little bit less mindless entertainment like TikTok. Mm. so kind of like linkedin is like your, your highest cpms because you're going after business people you know but i think twitter like there's a good mix i think It's more of a mixed bag. A lot of people will use it for sports. A lot of people, like, people aren't really using it socially or just for entertainment yet.
0: Too early to see LTV data, I imagine.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's it's. I don't think people are using Twitter for entertainment yet. I think they will, which means there's less daily active users. The ironic thing is for them to get more daily active users so they can make more, they need to get more, less businessy and more just entertainment stuff, right? That's Mm -hmm. just like what people are going to use a social platform for. And that means that actually probably the AOV will go down because it's going to be everybody's on a platform. So that that's, I don't know, that's like wild speculation of somebody who's spent three weeks spending on a platform. So I take everything I say with a grain like of salt here. Wait, um, what
0: about LinkedIn? Now that you're saying it, like, do, do any D2C businesses advertise on LinkedIn or is it just nah, straight, like it's, it's all B2B. Right?
1: CPMs. CPMs are so expensive on LinkedIn. I've never ran LinkedIn, but they're. I think you pay like sixty dollars CPMs, and most brands are spending like like wow. ten buck, ten to fifteen dollars CPMs on Facebook. But yeah, so that's what I would say. Twitter. Um, it's not a giant amount of spend, but it's it's enough to be significant. It's more than TikTok for us. It's now wow. well above TikTok. Um, I'll see what we can get out of it, but it's um, it's really promising, and it's it's cool to have another platform that that works. Again, it's you know. Maybe it's not long term and it's short term, but they're they're really working hard to do something. I know you kind of brought it up so I'll, so I'll say if you're not having success on Facebook, or if you are, you probably don't need to go to to to, to Twitter. Um, just don't go chasing the next shiny object. I remember a few months ago everybody was testing Snapchat again for some reason and I don't see anyone really spending on Snapchat now. That's not, you know, a big brand who probably needs to be. So who know.
0: should be? Who should be testing on Twitter?
1: Um, if your business really is spending a lot on other platforms and things are working well, and as you spend more, your marginal cost per acquisition gets pretty high on a platform. You know, once you're spending 40 K a day on Facebook or whatever it is, you know, you might be getting a better return spending 4 a day more on 4k day on Twitter rather than spending 4k more a day on Facebook, Mm. you know, um, that's probably who should be doing it. But if you're not having success on Facebook and your marketing isn't working, I probably wouldn't go to Twitter.
0: Interesting. That's very helpful. That would um, be my
1: thoughts. Um, broad is working best. I'm actually surprised, pleasantly. Big surprised broad to guy see. in general. You're a big broad guy. We, we, well, I usually am. It's what works best for us yeah. everywhere else. Um, but on Twitter, I thought you know maybe their machine learning isn't as I don't even know if they do machine learning. Um, it maybe isn't as advanced, so let's test some lookalikes, let's test some interests, let's test keywords. Didn't, didn't do very well. So um, yeah, Twitter, Twitter, Twitter ads, it's been a lot of fun.
0: So fascinating. It's, it's fascinating to see kind of like the trajectory when any kind of platform changes, even the tiniest bit, how like, you know, all the growth guys kind of just like slowly silo in and then they kind of slowly exit. Um, I think Twitter is like a somewhat slower you know, rise than we're seeing from everyone else. Like, I think people are a little bit less excited about risk. Maybe it's like the, the current economy or whatnot, but I think it's like, it's shockingly slow, at least from my vantage point, as far as like newcomers in the d2c world, testing it.
1: There aren't that many, I think it's getting slow. I think hopefully this helps. I mean, I kind of debated trying to share it or not. Cause I'm like, do we want the competition, but really it's not going to make a, a big difference. And I think the more people are spending there, the more, Twitter is going to improve things, get more data, improve kind of like their platform. Um, I think we'll, I think we'll see more. I think I think we'll start seeing some more people testing it. I my guess is it's going to be a mixed bag that it's not going to work for everybody. I don't know who it's going to work for and who it won't. Right? Like YouTube works best for for high AOV, right? Because a lot of it is is mm-hmm. view and, and longer funnel. I, I I you know TikTok usually works best for low AOV because it's more of an right. impulse thing. I don't know who Twitter is going to work for. I, I really don't. Um, to I guess it's working
0: for wallets because I'm seeing a whole lot of Ridge.
1: A lot of Ridge. Yeah. That that's the only thing with frequency seems to be pretty high, right? Like, yeah. I don't a, know about you. if I'm you see it once? Our ads. I'm seeing our ads nonstop too. If you see it once? If I
0: see another three times uh, within the next ten minutes, at right?
1: least. Yeah. So frequency seems to be really high. Um, you know, so that's that's just kind of something where it just limits how much you can spend. Mm. It's it's only a matter until athletic we you are seeing athletic greens Twitter ads nonstop,
0: and then you know you you know you've made it. Um, they they are doing a lot of whitelisting every single time on TikTok. I see, crushing it. Yeah, I see a yeah, ton of whitelisting from athletic greens. It. I think it's. It's such a, I mean, and we've spoken about this in the past, but it's such a fascinating business just because there he goes. It's a fascinating business just because like everyone just saw them explode, but they've been around for so many years. What is it like eight years, seven years?
1: Ten. I, I first knew yeah. them when I was in high school and I was like getting into strength and conditioning and I would follow all these guys, like wow. like bloggers, like Eric Cressy's one and like, um, like, like guys like that, like, and they would blog about it and. I didn't know anything about marketing, but like I could tell it was kind of like an affiliate link. But I could, I could also tell they liked the product, right? Like yeah. Athletic Greens did a great job seeding before that was even a thing to just creators, influencers, whatever you want to call them. Um, they weren't really spending anything; they bootstrapped it. I think for like eight years. I this was, so I graduated high school in 2010. So it was probably like 20 2009 2008, maybe. That um, you know, they sold like the black packaging, and I, like I was, it was doing.
0: Pretty- I was doing like I was eating sesame chicken and a lot of pizza then. So I'm glad to hear you were on AG1. <laughs>
1: um, well, I couldn't afford it then. I was like, oh, this <laughs> stuff sounds cool, but like, yeah, 60, 80 bucks a month, like, like that's crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it was it was not really that much growth for a while, and then all of a sudden, like two years ago, you know, everyone just started seeing everybody. They raised money for the first time, and then they got. But they
0: popped off before they raised. No, I think so.
1: I I do think so. What changed? I think they started.
0: Facebook ads. That's a good
1: question. No, no, I don't know. That's a good question. I, 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 know some people there, so I'm, I'm curious to kind of find out. But say, you know, I don't know. What Maybe we have them about. on the
0: pod at some point.
1: That would be great. Let me see. Let me see if I can set it up. But yeah, they're, they're my by far my favorite DTC company. Um, I mean, influencer they
0: crush. They, they crush everything. They do Podcasts. such an amazing
1: job with their influencers. So they don't pay influencers. They do an affiliate program. Uh-huh. Um, you see it a lot. Like for example, like Tapcart yep. one of our sponsors, right? They'll do like a vanity URL with a redirect. Yeah. Um, and it's a strategy we're now doing testing. Athletic Greens uh, is the first company I've seen that do it. So yeah. like, like for example, Bobby was uh, an affiliate for a little bit. But like, if you go to athleticgreens.com/slash Bobby Brown, like it redirects and it goes to a landing page. They've got these mm. like beautiful landing pages. They test these with purchases, so you can see a lot of the the strategies we're doing are definitely inspired by them. But yeah, no, yeah. They, they they fucking crush
0: it. Um, a ton of podcasts, like right there on. They do on so cu- many.
1: Huberman, um, like yeah. big ones too, like.
0: Yeah, Rogan, all of them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Rogan. Yeah, Huberman, which is obviously like, like a huge one. Ferris. But the yeah. cool thing is, like, you could tell it's really authentic. Like, you can tell that Huberman and Ferris actually like the product and, and taste it. So yeah. it's like, to me, why it's so cool is they spent eight years, ten years, like building just like an amazing product and building a community. Um, an incredible they team. They actually met their head of community was somebody who kind of was head of community at Lululemon. Um oh, wow. So they've built, you know, they're now they've built incredible community, ton of, ton of, um, creators and, and then, you know, did ads last. And I feel like that's the opposite order that most DTC brands are doing things.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's like everything else, right? Where somebody's like, oh my God, they just popped off and you're like, yeah, popped off after eight, nine years of, of crazy hard work. Um, and yeah, they raise money. They, I'm sure this, the co-founder took or the founder took some secondaries but like it's been eight years um like it's been a lot of a lot of years and i think it's it's fascinating to see that they're obviously like they they obviously have really good modeling on like you know what what's working and what's not because the spend is so wide on so many different platforms and i'm, I'm sure they figured out how to like properly suss out like what's crashing, what's not but i mean podcasts are so different than you know a, a influencer direct link right
1: yeah, yeah yeah it's it's hard i i can't even imagine at th- that level of different types of spend uh di- different media like that's where you have to do media mix modeling and like we're just yep. getting it we're, ju- we're just starting and kind of getting into that because we're getting across you know multiple channels but like most people listening to this are probably seven figures um probably some eight you know probably not that many nine figure businesses so it's like don't worry mm-hmm. about twitter ads don't get caught up in the shiny object like Facebook ads are probably going to be your best paid acquisition channel and just get really good at doing that. Can we chat did, really quickly? Go, go ahead. Yeah.
0: And I was just going to say, do they, I was going to say two things. First of all, we should save the GWP news for next week, just because. That's good.
1: I probably will have more data on it. Can I just share what, what I did? can yeah, I give a teaser? Yeah. Can, I, can, can I do a little a big tease? A big old so tease. we are testing a gift with purchase offer, kind of what we're calling like evergreen acquisition. So it's not something you can see on our website, but you can only see it through certain funnels and landing pages. Um, and we'll have some data next week, I think, that we'll, we'll be able to talk about. But I'm very optimistic it's about
0: spicy. it. It's spicy. The data will be spicy.
1: I think we'll have more data. Obviously, you need more than a week's worth of data. And I don't yeah. think we're testing perfectly this week. So ne- so next week, we'll we'll have a little bit more like apples to apples. But um yeah, can we chat about Advantage Plus real quick?
0: A hundred percent. I'm a what huge Advantage Plus What do you advantage think of Plus when guy. you hear
1: that? When when I first heard that, a lot of people joked that it was like insurance, that it was like <laughs> AARP insurance or something.
0: To me, it sounds like a credit card, but I guess I'm too deep in that world. Credit it's like a city yeah, exactly. city has Advantage, advantage something like AA, that, right? Something. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I forget if we've talked about it before, but I'll give a quick rundown. Advantage Plus is uh, Meta's new campaign type. Mm-hmm. Um. It is essentially two things. it's it's their uh, equivalent to performance Max. TikTok now has their smart performance, whatever they call it. But really what it is it's it's trying to leverage machine learning and take the control from the advertiser to the machine and trying to kind of limit the things that you know the variables that an advertiser has to do. And I think overall it's a, it's a huge net positive. Um, like for example, you used to be able to target interests or, or lookalikes. And then you had an option to, to select this box that said, uh, you know, detailed targeting expansion, which means you can expand my target. I give you permission to target people outside of this audience if you think and your model predicts that performance will be improved. And then about a year ago, they they took that away. So we it was just checked on by default, and you couldn't do it. You couldn't take it away. So I went from being able to do this really detailed targeting, say detailed targeting, but we'll kind of turn it into broad if we want. And and now they're like, you don't even have the option of doing detailed targeting in, in Advantage Plus. It's kind of like broad. It's meta saying, don't trust fu- us. You keep fucking this up. Trust us. Trust me, bro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and on... on So yeah, they're taking out a lot of control. Uh, I don't even think you can do manual placements. You can't do like a cost cap or something like that currently. Um, Just so, straight,
0: give us the money and, and trust us.
1: And we'll hopefully give you some money back. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of people complain about... Google and Performance Max and it being like a black box and not being able to see placement. I think people are more skeptical of Google because what they think is like, okay, they're they're having spend go to like some really non-profitable places because like they've got all the display network that doesn't do that well. It's like away from like hide in display spend um, and like make everybody spend it there. But um or, or it's like branded search like you it's hard to see how much of a spending was branded search. However, I don't think people seem as distrustful of of meta for this for whatever reason. So I think it does two things. I think it's working really, really well for I've heard of a lot of people. I've seen back and forth results, but overall mm-hmm. really good. First things, it kind of is forced best practices. So meta has come out with you know their per, performance five used to be power five of what they recommend, broad targeting. Consolidation, all that kind of stuff, and again, I've I've talked about this on Twitter and stuff. I've been doing a ton of audits, and for whatever reason, people aren't following it. And usually, it's the people that are struggling that are not you know, doing these best practices. So I think this is just Zuck getting super fed up and being like, "I'm not going to give you an option. Like, you have to do this." Because um, again, like these these machine learning models are just getting so good, and there are downsides to them, but for the majority of people, I think uh, they're a huge net positive, especially like non-sophisticated advertisers, smaller brands, you know? So you it doesn't allow you to do detailed targeting. It doesn't allow you to do broader versus, I mean, lookalike versus interest. Um, it doesn't allow you to do different bid or cost caps. It doesn't allow you to do placements. So hmm. it's kind of like, what are you left to do? You are left to obviously make your business better, but also make your creative better and your landing pages better. So I think from what I've seen and from our business and stuff, Brands that were leaning into broad, leaning into consolidation, I think are getting a slight improvement. Defin- mm-hmm. Definitely there. CPMs are cheaper, so it's cheaper because I guess they want people to spend on this. Um, or maybe it's just more, re- you know, you usually get rewarded with cheaper CPMs if your ads are more relevant. So mm-hmm. it also seems like that's one. But conversion rates are actually better. So you pair those two things and it's like, hell yeah. So no brainer it, it kind of. So that's what I've seen. And then the second thing, they haven't shared a lot, uh, but they say it's a new machine learning model. Um, they haven't really said what that means. Some people probably might know I, I haven't really seen anything. but they're I think they've they're not getting enough credit. Obviously, we, we see their stock is up, so they're starting to get some some credit back in the market. But um, I don't think they're getting enough credit for how they've responded to uh, iOS you know changes and really rebuilt their entire ad engine, it seems like to be able to you know use the lack of data and model data and be able to optimize and target based on that. So I'm super optimistic. Um, I I think a lot of people are. Um, And I would say, you know, who should be using Advantage Plus? Probably everybody. It's actually not available to everybody yet. It should be soon. I think they're just kind of like trying to, you know, iron out some of the kinks or whatever. Um, But if you have access to it, definitely, definitely try it. Um, I would imagine it'll work pretty well. But it works best with creative that has already been proven to perform well. So, you know, if you're running creative testing and you've got some winners, throw that in Advantage Plus. The other cool thing about it, I usually like five ads in an ad set, no more. Mm. I find even if you're spending 30K a day on an ad set, above five ads and it doesn't do well allocating, everything I've seen from accounts and talk to people, you can put more than more ads in an Advantage Plus ad set. So that's great because not only can it, you know, allocate spend and let's say you've got whitelisting that's kind of t- work well with somebody, but, you know, a static that's going to work well with somebody else, like, it can kind of do that. I think you might be able to get less creative fatigue because you're diversifying the ads that it's showing and spending on. So, I don't know. It just makes it simpler. It's performing well. Um, If you have access to that, definitely test it. If not, be on the lookout for it in your account.
0: If I had to learn one thing from Supermax Advantage Plus, um, it's this. Trust suck. He smokes Never bet against. He does water skiing. He owns half of Hawaii and he'll do your, do your ads work.
1: Never bet against him. I know. I'm curious how much they're, uh, still investing in the metaverse. Like I know that they've kind of realized like, like then the market Meta. was kind of like, Hey, we don't like this metaverse. And we want you to make, you make got money. To fix your ad product. But yeah. I think, I think daily active users are up on Instagram. I don't know about Facebook. I, I think like, I think they're doing well right now, and I think and six
0: ago. just taking a oh page yeah, of how Zets
1: you how you feel about that out of Elon's book,
0: out of Elon's book, yeah. I mean, how you how you feel about it had that? to happen, right? Yeah. It was a matter of time. Like if if they see that people are willing to spend on Twitter to get verified, why would they not launch the same product?
1: So all it is is just verification. It's just yeah. it's not yeah. no ads or anything like My that. My favorite
0: part is like that it includes like expedited support or something like that, like Facebook support that doesn't exist yeah, outside of ads it's like it's not like if you get locked out good luck um so now you're paying like 14 dollars to get support when you're locked out which is like it to me that's like absolutely fucked but um <laughs> listen it'll work people will pay for it so
1: yeah i mean are you still paying for twitter blue
0: i've never done twitter blue
1: i thought you did i thought you were paying i thought you're verified
0: i don't know i'm not verified i never uh, okay. I never bit the bullet
1: oh uh, you did Mm-hmm. I, I did because I was like, all right, like if, if it helps you get more reach, yeah, then it's like yeah. worthwhile, right? Then it's like a good $8 is well spent to help you get more reach. But uh, I'm, I'm curious to see meta, like it's a signal. So obviously people will do it because it is a status signal. Cause I was thinking right. about it. Like, would I pay for a creator that we're whitelisting through to get verified yep. 16 bucks a month to make right. you, you know, an ad that you're spending 10 K a month on or whatever it is perform yeah, it better. Makes yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. But once everybody knows that anybody can get verified, is it still a trust signal? The only thing is, uh, yeah. like, the people that we're serving ads to, like, like you know, the people that listen to this podcast are internet geeks. Like, we pay attention to stuff. People we're serving ads to, they might not even know. So I it don't could think be worthwhile. Well,
0: yeah, I don't think that mo- the, the bulk of our audience is, is staying up to the latest and greatest of meta-verified. So mm-hmm. I, I think that makes no. sense. I mean, I think it's, yeah. like a, it's like, you know, like, everyone was like, oh, if some people are verified, then everyone's verified. And it's, I mean... I'm sure there are quite a few people playing paying for Twitter Blue um, that'll continue paying. I think they could have made it a larger of a difference between like the verified versus non-verified. Like I don't think I re- reach has changed dramatically, and it's just like that extra tab in, in notifications. But like, why would you only look at verified notifications? I agree. If I've never looked at verified. Right.
1: No, I agree. I, th- I think that's a good point. Um, yeah. Also, they yeah. have they they have like a I, would, I just see one of our ads right now. So just open Twitter. So they have a yellow checkmark if you're a business. And not paying in the blue, so it's like, I
0: don't know. Yeah, I agree. The they should have made week, it a bigger difference. Did you see that? Like, I, I showed that you, to you yesterday. Like, me something, week, yeah. and the all in podcast people and like just there's a bunch of people that are now like have other like a sixteen z like they have badges near their name that are specifically for the place they work at, which I think is mm-hmm. interesting. It's just like they had it way back with like, oh, this is a China official or like this is a Russia official. You know, so this is
1: so that you can verify that you're actually. Working where you say, right?
0: Well, originally it was like, oh, this person's saying that China is the best and the U.S. sucks. Like PSA, this person works for the Chinese government. Actually, or this is like oh a- yeah, I
1: remember like the U- like like some uh, uh, an official from Ukraine. Like this was before Elon bought it. Like posted like a Bitcoin wallet to send right. stuff to, and everybody thought it was a fake, but it turned out it was like legit.
0: Exactly, and they, they had it on YouTube as well. If you go on like YouTube and you watch like RT News or like some of these like news channels, it'll say like Russia affiliated channel, just so people think that like you know uh, Al Jazeera will say like you know UAE affiliated channel, um, and obviously all the Chinese mm-hmm. ones, just to give people like hey heads up, like the news here looks different. Here's why.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. You know why that's funny? Do you remember like a year ago when like a lot of people were joining a sixteen Z? Like mm-hmm. everybody started like making a meme of that. About yeah, it and joking. I've joined, like I just yeah, I've like, DAZI, it's, DAZI, it's actually DAZI, funny. DAZI, like they, they almost need the verification now.
0: Yeah, yeah, everyone works there. Um awesome. Well, this is a, a good kickoff. Um if you have any if anyone has guest ideas that you'd love to see on the podcast, shoot Cody a DM. Please. At
1: Cody Ploff, verified.
0: The verified guy. Um, um and then
1: I think Eli, yeah. I think it's time for you to go touch some grass. You need to like double touch grass to make up for your sins this morning.
0: You, I straight up got you're canceled. Grinding. Like, I didn't open my Twitter, and now I just like open my Twitter, and I just have a lot of notifications of like you, that's motherfucker. Um, I'm gonna touch I feel like I'll you really started something though on Twitter. I feel like no
1: one was, was talking about touching grass. Why do I not get now, the credit ever? Now every week all I'm giving you credit.
0: No, as get you should. But credit, I, I, yeah. I'm just like I I feel like I started that in D2C Twitter, and now that like
1: you did, and everybody on a Saturday is like touching and one guy grass, that does
0: that all the time now blocked me. I'm like, do you not want to get canceled that you that you stole my idea?
1: Blocked, blocked over a credit card tweet.
0: Imagine, like, I, I feel like I'm a okay, nice guy. Like, I never knew people would block me. Like, what did I do? Did I say that your credit card is is amazing? You should just go in,
1: like, your, in your villain era.
0: I think I'm I'm in a villain arc right now. I'm just like slowly becoming internet's villain. I think a like, lot
1: of those companies are struggling. A lot of like those DTC credit cards, from what I've seen, and they're are unhappy,
0: like, and they're just blocking. No, them. I just I just think oh. with
1: the, with no no. I mean, yeah, you're trolling them, oh. but I think with the market changes, like like there's another one that I'm thinking of that um, offered like a certain percentage of cash back, and from what I've heard, they're either not paying it or they're being really slow to pay it. Oh gosh, I think just with with the rates going up and everything, it's like. They're, I guess, kind of like a zero interest rate phenomenon. Yeah, fascinating. Okay. Well, okay. Well, we're now canceled, so it was a
0: great season. Great, <laughs> great, great to see you all, and a, a huge thank you to Tapcart and Postscript. So we'll see you next week. Cheers. See you next week.